you, Blake, so much for inviting me to um, come preach the Word of God. It's always a privilege, um, but it's a special privilege this morning to get to be with you guys and bring greetings from Crossover Bible Church, um, where I uh, currently work. And uh, I just want to ask you, you guys, to pray for us. Um, the work that we anticipate and the work that we're currently doing in North Tulsa is full of challenges. Uh, we, we're excited about the, the possibility of planting a church that uh, would be a beautiful reflection of the reconciliation that we see in the gospel, a church that would reflect um, the new city that we hear about in Revelation. Uh, so pray for us. We need, we need your prayer support. Um, and if, if you'd like to be a part of our, our prayer updates, prayer emails, come talk to me. I'd love to get you on that list and, and uh, enlist your support in, in this. Uh, so before we, we jump into the sermon, I want to I wanna take you back a few years. Uh, circa 2014, uh, when one of the most infectious songs that I can remember hit the radio waves. I'm sure you remember it. It was Pharrell Williams singing Happy, all right? You know this song. You might have heard it on the Despicable Me Too soundtrack, okay? It sold uh, like six and a half million copies. It won two Grammys. And I, I got to tell you guys, when you watch this music video, it's just people dancing around the streets of L.A., and you can't help it. You just want to smile. I watched it with um, my year-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Mary, the other day, and I, I mean, I, just, I was grinning ear to ear as I, as I listened to this song. And, you know, the lyrics are a little confusing. I, I'm not sure what to make of them. He says, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. You're like, I don't know what it means, but it makes me happy. Now, our passage today is a song. And it's, it's a song about happiness. And I hope that the lyrics are a, are a little less opaque, a little more helpful. So as we look at Psalm 1 this morning, I want to ask you, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? Let's read God's word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask this morning, as we sit and think and meditate on it, that by your spirit, you would transform our hearts, that you would, you would kindle in us a passion to worship you with all that we've got. We pray that if our hearts have grown cold, that you would fill us with happiness again, with joy again. It's in Jesus' name we pray, by the Spirit, amen. Would you rather be rich and dissatisfied or unhappy 
or poor and happy. One of my duties at, at Crossover is to work with, with youth. And I, I, I work with middle school youth primarily. And if, if you've ever, you know, I, I don't see a collective groan, which is good. But sometimes saying that, everyone's like, oh, the eyes get real big. I'm so sorry for you. Well, I love it. I love getting to work with middle schoolers. But you have to know this little secret when you work with middle schoolers. Okay, you ready? They love to talk about themselves. It's true. They love to talk about themselves. It, 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 it's not always readily apparent. You've got to sometimes ask them questions. And so one of the things I like to do is ask them crazy questions. You know, would you rather be good-looking or smart? Can't be both. You've got to choose. Would you rather pull out your toenails or your fingernails? I mean, just random, random questions to get them talking. And one of my favorite is this. Would you rather be rich and dissatisfied or poor and happy? Now, think about your answer carefully. Now, one young man, he said, huh, okay, I think I'd rather be rich and dissatisfied because I'd be so rich I could just buy whatever I wanted to make myself happy. And I kind of looked at him like, really? Really? Now, I know none of you would answer the question like that, right? We're much, we're much more subtle. We wouldn't admit to that. You see, his view of happiness was something that could be bought or sold. It was a commodity. He had a, a fill-in-the-blank view of happiness. What I mean is, if I could only have fill-in-the-blank, then I'd be happy. Now, I, I, I would bet that none of you would admit to that, but somewhere deep down, you've wrestled with that. If I could only have that job, then I'd be happy. If I could only, you know, get a hold of my schedule and have a little bit more free time, then I'd be happy. If I could only find a wife or a husband, then I would be happy. If I could only have kids, then I would be happy. Some of you with big families, you think, if I could only have fewer kids, then I'd be happy. We have a fill-in-the-blank view of happiness, whether we want to admit it or not. So I want to ask you this morning, what is it you want to fill in the blank with? What is it that you're yearning for that you think might make you happy? And you know there's a problem. You've ever gotten the thing that you wanted to fill in the blank. It's not enough. You can get that perfect job, and it's still not enough. Psalm 1 gives us God's perspective on happiness. I hesitate to say God's secret for happiness because it's right here in a very public book. So, verse 1, blessed is the man, or happy is the man, or how to be envied is the man. That's how it starts. So this morning as we look at Psalm 1, I want to ask three questions, and you can follow along in your bulletin if you'd like. What is happiness? What does it look like? And then, of course, the million-dollar question, how do we get it? What is happiness? What does it look like? How do we get it, according to Psalm 1? So let's dive in. What is happiness? Well, Psalm, Psalm 1 and the Psalms in general are, are, are poetry. So you can't, you, you, gotta, you gotta sort of chew on it a little bit. As my uh, seminary professor liked, liked to remind us that wisdom, poetry in particular, you had to, you had to chew on it. You gotta, you gotta marinate it, marinate in it for a little bit to understand what's going on. So he says, happy is the man, and then instead of telling you what that happiness is, the psalmist 
tells you what the happy man doesn't do. And then he tells you what he likes and what he does do. And then, what he's, and then he gives this, picture, this word picture of, of, of what he's like. But you still don't quite know what that happiness is until you get to verse 6. You get a little clue. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord has a knowledge, like a, a personal knowledge of the righteous. Now, this, the word to know can be really intimate in the Bible. Like God's knowledge is intimate. He knows the way of the righteous. And so with that little clue, you can go back to the beginning, and, and as you're reading that first stanza, you see that this man is delighting in the law of the Lord, delighting in the law of Yahweh. He's not just, you know, um, you know, filling his mind with truth, beauty, and goodness, and moral philosophy. He's delighting in a specific set of texts, the law of Yahweh, right, the covenant-keeping God. And in fact, the, you know, you've you got to see the fact that he's doing this indicates that he's got a relationship with God. He's connected to the people of God. You guys know the story Right? How he, he called Abraham and he multiplied his family greatly and then he brought them out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea, fed them in the wilderness, brought them to the mountain and made a covenant with them. This, he formalized his relationship with them. The fact that the happy man is meditating on that law shows you that he has a relationship with the creator God. Happiness is having a relationship with God. It's being known by Him. Now, I don't know what you try to fill in the, fill in the blank with when it comes to happiness in your life. If I only had, if I only could, if I only was, fill in the blank, then I'd be happy. I want to ask you this morning, where does having a personal relationship, a connection, a covenantal connection to the creator God of the universe factor in, in that equation for you? I mean, honestly, it's not the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning most days. Happiness consists of having a relationship with God being connected to him, known by him. Now, I think there are some practical applications in this text to, to make us more aware of the fact that we are connected to this creator God. I mean, don't forget, this, this is a, this is a, a song. This, this psalm is a song to be used in the corporate worship of Israel. And worship is, is a great opportunity to be reminded that we're connected to God, that we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I mean, how much more personal does it get than the body and the blood of Jesus for us? I mean, the songs we sing express not just our, our love for God and our relationship with him, but his love for us and his faithfulness to us. Worship together is an opportunity to remind ourselves that we have a relationship with a holy, righteous, awesome God. But there's, there's another little clue in the text that can help us put this into practice, help us remind ourselves that we have this relationship. It's there in, in verse two. You see the happy man meditating on the law of God day and night. He's filling his mind with, with what God has done 
on behalf of his people. He's, he's filling his mind with God's gracious instructions. I mean, this is, this is a way to celebrate and commemorate your relationship with God, meditating on his word. I mean, to put it into, into practical uh, language, can you think of any better way to celebrate your relationship with your wife or your husband than to reflect together on your history, on what you've been through together. And this is why it's not okay to forget your anniversary, fellas, all right? You're reflecting on your history. You're, you're remembering that you have a relationship, and so meditating on the Word of God allows us to do that. It gives us a chance to remember the great privilege, the, the, the root of happiness, knowing God, being in a relationship with Him. So that's what happiness is. Now, what does it look like? What does happiness look like according to Psalm 1? I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Verse 3, the second stanza, uh, you can see um, there's this kind of extended word picture. The happy man, the blessed man, is like a tree. I, I love similes because as you chew on them, you can, you can pull out all, all, these, all these different nuances. You know, a tree is strong, and, and um, it's, it's sturdy. It's got roots that go down deep. It's growing. It's bearing fruit. I think all those things are, are, are useful to meditate on. But I think the main thing to see here is that this tree, this tree is planted. The happy man or woman is planted. There's a sturdiness, a faithfulness to God and to his word. Now, the reason I think that's the main thing is because the contrasting image, one verse down, is, is of the wicked who are like chaff that the wind just drives away. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen chaff, the chaff that comes off of wheat. And I mean, I, I, I can't really remember seeing it myself, but I like to roast my own coffee beans. I buy them green. I put them in a hot air popcorn popper, crank the thing up, and about a minute later, you see the chaff, the little, the little outside of the, of the holes of the seed come flying off. And it, and it blows up into the wind and it's just, it's just driven away. It's weightless. It's insubstantial. It's insignificant. I don't even sweep the deck afterward because I know the wind's going to carry it all away. That's the wicked. In contrast, the righteous man is planted. There's a sturdiness, a solidness, a long-sufferingness. He's like a tree. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel very much like a tree very often. I feel pretty, pretty beaten around by the circumstances in my life. Stuff hurts. If I'm a tree, maybe I'm like a Bradford pear. If you guys have Bradford pears in your yard, they're stinky in the spring, and then when the rains come, they lose limbs. I had a Bradford pear drop a limb on my car when I was in high school. I still haven't quite gotten over that. So maybe if I'm a tree, I'm like a Bradford pear. I lose a limb every, every season or so. I don't feel very sturdy. Well, one scholar points out, he, he makes the observation that, hey, the psalmist brings up the fact that there are seasons, right? Uh, verse 3, it, it yields its, its fruit in season. And seasons in the ancient Near East were either, they were either dry as a bone or they were wet and rainy. So circumstances could be good or bad. Things could be up or down. In any case, the happy man, the righteous man stays planted. 
There's, there's a rootedness that allows him or her to weather the circumstances. He stays planted in the Word of God, in the promises that God has for him, in his identity as a member of the people of God. So I want to ask, how are we supposed to live this out when we feel like our branches are falling off? Look, if you have a fill-in-the-blank view of happiness, it's always going to be at risk because circumstances could just take it away from you. It's always going to be at risk. Unless you're able to plant yourself in this book, plant yourself in the promises of God, happiness is something that's going to come and go. I think there's some really helpful um, reminders in the Psalms. More than anything else, we see laments in this book, which is a nice reminder that, yeah, those seasons are going to be tough. And so if that's where you are this morning, cry those laments. Cry those laments. If you, but if you, you know, if you see fruit, if you're in a good season, don't put your hope in that happiness. Sing the praises. Recognize that it's being known by God, having a relationship with him that brings happiness, that is happiness. Happiness is having a relationship with God. It looks like being planted like a tree into his promises. So that's what it is. That's what it looks like. But how do we get it? How do we get this happiness into our lives? A few years back, I was listening to the radio, and there was a number of uh, commentators uh, talking about Harper Lee's book, Go Set a Watchman. I don't know if you guys have read this. I'm about halfway through. I haven't finished it yet. But I still remember what one of the panelists said. He said, good literature is unsettling. Good literature is unsettling. I don't know what you think about that as an aesthetic pronouncement, but there's something about Psalm 1 that is just a little bit unsettling. You get to the end, and there's two possibilities, and only two possibilities. You are either known by God, or you're going to perish. You're either among the righteous or you're with the wicked. It's an either-or situation. There's no in-between. You can get with this or you can get with that. Now, I'm a, I'm a millennial, and I'm an English major too, so I really resent that, right? I really resent the either-or. It's so binary. I want a little nuance. I want, I want a spectrum of options. That's not what we get. It's this or that. And that's a little unsettling. It's a little tooth that kind of nibbles at you. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a part of the righteous and you're not a part of the family of God, then I want you to see that there is an implicit invitation for you. There's only two options. I mean, one looks great and one looks terrible. And if you're in that camp where you know you don't have a relationship with God, that your way is not known by him, then I want you to know that this psalm, this song is halfway through a story that isn't finished. It's a story that reaches its climax, that culminates in God 
coming, sending his son, who is the perfect happy man, the one who, who, who wasn't swayed by sinners, who, wasn't, who, 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 didn't, who didn't sit in the seat of scoffers. And his whole delight was to do the will of his father. And the will of his father was to crush him for our sins, was to send him to the cross to shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be adopted into this happy family, so that we can sing this song. And even though we know that we're sinners, we know we try to fill the blank with all kinds of things, that we can be counted among the righteous because of what Jesus did for us. We get this happiness by being adopted into the family of God through the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. That's how we get it. And if that's not you this morning, I want to invite you into this family. Now, I know many of you are here this morning because you have been adopted into the family of God. You've received Christ, but I wonder, do you feel happy? Do you sense this blessedness, right? I mean, sometimes the songs we sing are are really great, but it's hard to feel it. You believe it in your head, but not quite in your heart. I know how that feels. These are prescription lenses right here. These are heavy duty. Without these, I am completely blind. I need these to correct my vision. In fact, Katie has found me on a number of occasions frantically searching for my glasses when they are right in front of me because I can't see them. I need corrective lenses to see the world right. Without them, I'm blind. Brothers and sisters, we need the lenses of Psalm 1 to correct what we think happiness is or ought to be to correct our vision of what happiness, blessedness, goodness is. What do you fill in the blank with? What are you tempted to reach for, to strive for? And this is an opportunity to confess it, to lay it before the one who is full of grace and mercy, who's brought you into his family. The table is an invitation. to remember that happiness is being in relationship with God. It's, it's a happiness that, that we're, where we root ourselves in the promises of God for us. It's a blessedness bought for us at the cross. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, We ask this morning that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. God, that you would break our hearts when we see the things that we have tried to fill in the blank with. That we would remember the privilege that we have to be be called your sons, your family, known and loved by you at the cost of the life of your son. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. 
It's in your name we pray by the Spirit. Amen.